Hello, all you cinephiles, cinefreaks, and cinemaniacs. Welcome to another episode of Cinema Cinema Smackdown! My name is Greg. And I'm Tyler. And we are obsessed with movies. That's right. We're so obsessed that we had to go and make our own podcast about it. So here's how it works. In each episode, we'll take two similar movies and pit them against each other in a fight for ultimate ultimate glory. Two films enter and two films leave. But in the meantime, we'll desperately try to answer the question... Which one's better? And in today's episode, we have the Battle of the Bat. Fear versus Chaos. Origin Story versus Classic Gotham Showdown. Katie Holmes versus Maggie Gyllenhaal. That's right, it's Batman Begins versus The Dark Knight. Okay, all right, let's begin, shall we? Yeah, Batman, begin. Oh, you. So, uh, I guess I'll start with the synopsis of Batman Begins. Essentially, this is the story of how Batman begins. Wait, what? That, that's, that's pretty much it. That's the synopsis. You lost me. Um, so I'm going to share some facts about Batman Begins. Maybe you know these facts, maybe you don't. I know it's a hugely popular movie. A lot of people know the trivia, but maybe you don't know you this. You know what? I'm willing to bet most people do not know trivia for Batman Begins. Well, I guess I'm just a weirdo. <laughs> we, we both are. <laughs> We're both weird. So uh, I just wanted to share that while shooting on the streets of Chicago, there was a uh, drunk driver that came into the set drove his car directly into the Batmobile, the tank that you see in the movie. What? And when he got out, he said that he had to drive into that tank because he thought it was an alien spaceship coming to Earth. Ah. That was his excuse. He was drunk or he was on LSD? No, he was, I mean, it said that that he was drunk. It sounds like tripping to me. And I looked it up. This is a true story. This actually happened. I think, you know what? I bet he got sprayed by some of that fear gas. A scarecrow in the gang was scarecrow thrown around. Scarecrow was just hanging around Chicago. I, going you know, because like Nolan makes movies pretty legitly. If there's going to be fear gas, it's going to be real. It's going to be real. Okay. He took LSD and made it an inhalant. Okay, it's going to be real. <laughs> <laughs> um, another interesting fact, Forbes magazine did a breakdown of like how much Bruce Wayne was worth, how much it would cost to be Batman. Hmm. Um, oh, I like this. Surprisingly, I mean, it's still a lot of money, but surprisingly, it's only $3.6 million to be Batman in Batman Begins. Like, all the equipment, everything that he does, it the, the travel expenses, everything, it's only $3.6 million. But okay. Bruce Wayne's actual worth is $6.8 billion. $6.8 billion. That's how much he's worth. With a big old B. That's uh, a lot he's of actually, money. He's actually the seventh... Uh, wealthiest character in any like comic book iteration, cartoon, anything like that. Behind who? Uh, seventh. That's pretty far down the list. If you have six point eight billion, number, number one is apparently Carlisle Cullen. I have no idea who that is. Yeah, I've never actually read a comic book. But Scrooge McDuck is number two. 
<laughs> I like that. $33.5 billion. Oh, man. Those coins he's swimming in, those are gold. Those aren't just pennies. Also, Marvel did it one better. Tony Stark I, I is figured, actually worth. I was thinking Tony Stark because he's, you know, he's actually out there making the weapons of mass yeah, destruction. True. <laughs> Jesus Christ. By right. the way, I, I do want to mention that Tony Stark's worse, but... Batman is also a problematic character in terms of wealth. Like, not just because he is rich, but the way he uses his resources. I I know Bruce Wayne supposedly has charities and foundations and stuff, but still, you're using your money and resources to beat up people you deem as criminals without due process as opposed to just getting to the root of why criminality exists in the first place? Yeah, I mean, think about, like, $6.8 billion. You're trying to help an entire city rid of homelessness, of poverty... Mm -hmm of crime why aren't you using that money to do that rather than making like crazy like gadgets and yeah i, I mean obviously you're not going to get rid of all crime ever there's no such thing as a utopia but you can definitely give the homeless houses you will lower the crime rate significantly and there won't be these mass crazy weirdos but then we don't have the fun movies greg fink 2020 greg fink 2020 well i think i'm going to summarize the dark knight the same way you summarize batman begins can you do it with just the title No, I can't do it with just the title, but I can do it very simply. It's Batman versus Joker. We all know that. Yeah, because if you think about that movie, I mean, what's the one thing that stands out? Oh, the Joker. The Joker. That iconic makeup, the look of the Joker. Uh, First of all, fun fact, it is by far the shortest amount of time that an actor's ever have to sit in the makeup chair to play the Joker. It took them like 20 minutes each day to put that on as opposed to Joaquin or Jack who had to sit there for hours. That's interesting. I thought it did take a long time. No, it it actually, it it looks like it's kind of slapped on and it is just kind of slapped on. And the reason it looks that way is Heath Ledger's design. He designed the look of Joker's face. Basically, he just bought some makeup by himself and just kind of did it at home. And when he showed up to set with that completed look, and he tried a couple of different things, but when he finally got it, Nolan loved it so much, he told the makeup team, your job is recreating that every day. And, did he, and did, he did. Uh, did he make the scars happen? You want to know how he got these face? scars? <laughs> Uh, prosthetics. Actually, real prosthetics. quick, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna sneak a fun fact in there. The reason uh, Joker licks his lips so much in the movie is because uh, his prosthetics would fall off every time he was talking. Oh. His prosthetics would fall off. So at first it was just to keep it on, and then he turned it into a character quirk. He's he was so genius in that movie. Mm. Uh, one more fact about the Dark Knight. So there's a city in Turkey called Batman. It's it's pronounced Batman, I oh, believe. Oh, yes. Uh, but it's spelled exactly the same, B-A-T-M-A-N. That's crazy. And this city, or the mayor of the city, in 2008, sued Christopher Nolan and Warner Brothers over The Dark Knight because of the use of the name Batman. They said they did not get permission for that and that the unlicensed permission or the, the unlicensed use of the word Batman so much in that movie led to the high unsolved murder rate and high suicide rate oh that was happening in their town. It, it was a very outlandish claim, and obviously the, the case was thrown out immediately. But, but that's also ridiculous because this is called The Dark Knight. Yeah, I know. It's the first movie that doesn't have Batman in the title, and they sued over the use of the word Batman. What? <laughs> there were like six <laughs> movies before this. Yeah, plus like three TV shows. Wait, and and 90,000 comics. Yeah. I mean, and this, by the way, this town has existed named, I mean, the town has existed almost forever, but 
the name has existed in this iteration since 1957. So they've had plenty of time to sue. So much time. Other Batmen. <laughs> I mean, they could have sued Tim Burton, who's a Batman. Bob my, Kane. Bob Kane's a Batman. There are so many Batmans out there. Joel Schumacher. Michael Keaton's a Batman as well. Ba- uh, are you saying Batman? Yes. Uh, or Batman. Oh, you're Batman. saying? No, yes, I'm saying Batman. Yeah. Batman. Yeah, that's right. Batman. Even, yeah, Joel Schumacher, George Clooney, they're Batmans as well. It's it's clear. The choice is clear. Greg Fink, 2020. <laughs> that's just going to keep coming up every single time in this podcast. Okay, so let's get into the nitty-gritty. Let's get into what this podcast is really about. Which do we think is better? Which movie is better? And this is, I mean, I know, like, so many people are still like, come on, it's Dark Knight. And... You yeah, might be right. You might be. It's You might be wrong. The reason I think this episode was important to exist is because I do think Batman Begins is a little underrated. The thing that it does better to me is story structure, character development. It's actually about Batman versus, you know, like the Dark Knight is, the the one who has the character arc is Harvey Dent. The one that we really care about is the Joker. Batman's just kind of there reacting to the chaos. Although I don't agree with that. I do think that Batman does have an, an arc in that movie. And we'll yeah. talk about that here in a little bit. Yeah, I, he has an arc. I just think it's a much more clearly defined arc, a much more satisfying beginning, middle, end. It's... Batman Begins, if there weren't sequels to it, which we would have been deprived of greatness, but if there weren't, it would have stood alone on its own, even though it does tee up the Joker at the end. That is still could have been a nod to just like, you know, Batman 89 and and everything we knew about Batman already. It, It kind of exists on its own in a way that Dark Knight does feel very clearly like a second act of a three act story. But I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, I'm I'm just saying it doesn't it doesn't stand alone as much as it is more dependent yes. on the movie before it and after. Correct. I think Batman Begins is a perfect portrayal of of Batman beginning and I think that <laughs> um the Dark Knight doesn't need the same character arc that Batman Begins has. Mm-hmm. Because we've already set up everything in the first one. It's so it's set up so well in Batman Begins yeah. that the Dark Knight doesn't need to focus on the Dark Knight. It needs to focus on the villains, which the Joker is the most iconic yeah. villain in history. True. Aside from maybe Darth Vader. Mm, these days, I mean, yeah. Joker is becoming now for for male actors, I guess as of now, white male actors especially, yeah. it is the Hamlet of the silver screen where like every theater actor wants their chance to get to play Hamlet and every film actor really wants to get their chance to play the Joker now. He has somehow become that level of iconography that yeah and batman has the coolest villains that's like pretty much undebatable like he's got the best villains i just wish that a movie that's named after batman was just a little bit more about batman personally does it fall into the trope of too many villains in batman begins i thought about this this is the only superhero movie i can think of that has three villains that works every other why is that it breaks it down into a story act structure, and unlike other superhero movies where it gets very convoluted, where you have these big boss fights where all three villains are attacking the hero all at once, I'm thinking of a couple Spider-Mans, I'm thinking of some of the worst Batman movies even, yeah. where it's just like a hodgepodge. This takes its time to develop that, no, he has to face Falcone first, mm-hmm. learn a lesson from that, 
Then, you know, then he faces who he thinks is Ra's al Ghul, the Scarecrow. He takes them on one at a time, and they, he kind of learns different lessons, and it, each one of them helps fulfill... It creates... It ends up creating his moral obligation yeah, as Batman. They're all kind of mentors in a way, even like Ra's al Ghul literally is, but even Falcone gives him advice about fear and attacking criminals that he takes to heart even the lessons he learns from scarecrow and fear tactics like he's learning things from these villains and they're all informing his character you know obviously they don't stand out as great as the joker or even bane as like iconic uh amazing transformative performances in a batman movie but they all are first of all great actors i love killian murphy i love tom wilkinson i love liam neeson they're all great and each villain while having a few moments to shine, is really there more to serve the story of Batman. They are ancillary characters in Batman's story. I understand the story structure, and I think that that's brilliant, and I think that that plays well in the story, but I I really was upset with how little I saw of Killian Murphy as the first iteration of Scarecrow on screen. I wish I had seen more of him. I thought that, you know, every time I get to see Scarecrow, like, be all trippy and bugs coming out of his face, they cut away. And he's great. I lo- There's a certain level of haminess to him and his, this performance. Like, the moment when he's on the rooftop with a bunch of other bad guys and Batman's about in the sky. And they say, who is that? And he looks up real dramatic. He goes, who is that? The Batman? Yeah, and he's just, yeah. like, just a little over the top in a great way. I just love it. He, um... Christopher Nolan loves working with Killian Murphy. I mean, he's been in a few of his movies. Mm-hmm. He found reasons to bring him back in The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. Even if they were small parts, he wanted him there. Yeah. Uh, so he made an impression. I just wish that the character, it's almost like Christopher Nolan's apologizing to Killian Murphy, being like, hey, I know I didn't give you like a substantial villain like the Joker got or Bane got, but... Here, I'm going to give you two more scenes in my other movies. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of cool that he's the first Batman villain to ever cross over into the sequel. Every other villain is thwarted and we never see them again. Mm -hmm. Scarecrow seems to be the only one that really carries over, right? Yeah. It would be cool to see more of Scarecrow and Killian's performance, but it would have made the movie feel structured more like the Dark Knight, taking the focus a little bit away from Batman. And for the origin story especially, I don't think that would have worked. Yeah. You know, and that's not to, again, not to knock Dark Knight because it is structured beautifully and it's a great movie. It just doesn't focus on Batman probably as much as I would want. If they had changed the title of The Dark Knight to something more ambiguous like The Silence of the Lambs, would you... That alone would not fix it for me because okay. you're, you're setting up a Batman trilogy, right? Batman yeah. Begins. Mm-hmm. We know that the second movie is going to be about Batman. So Bruce Wayne slash Batman in The Dark Knight should be making more choices that leads to consequences. And I know there are some, but, you know, like in Batman Begins, it's all his choices, what he learns from them, how he gleans information from it. In this one, it's not so much him that's creating the uh, call to action or him that's that's f- fulfilling any sort of story arc he's just kind of there and he's just kind of reacting is is my issue is like he's not even the central focus i i slightly agree with you but i think that he does have a story arc in the dark knight i think throughout that entire movie he needs to find out that he no longer needs to be there as batman he t- he's taking this awful scenario of dent becoming two-face and he's saying okay well what can we do with this i will take the blame for it and 
we will create this dent act to try and clean up the streets still. Yeah. Because Harvey Dent was going to do that anyway. I, the, the dent act actually makes me realize something that, that gets a little lost in the weeds for me when I'm watching The Dark Knight. There's a lot of legal mumbo-jumbo. There's a lot of jargon in The Dark Knight, and sometimes I feel like I need a damn law degree to follow hey, Rico. it. The RICO Act. Thankfully, I've watched enough Sopranos that I know <laughs> the RICO Act is racketeering influence and corrupt organizations. Everybody knows that. You have passed the bar, sir. <laughs> I mean, any dumb-dumb off the street could tell you what RICO stands for. No, but, like, there, it's mentioned so much, and there's so many scenes with Harvey Dent going over the logistics of how he's going to lock up all these criminals and trying to craft the Dent Act that, A, it feels very jargony, and B, that jargon, to me, sometimes slows down the momentum of the plot. It, it grinds it, not to a halt, but it just slows it down a little bit. I suppose so. I think it's necessary to make it kind of still grounded in, in realism. Um, I think if you don't add that mumbo-jumbo when dealing with prosecution and, and uh, defense and, and lawyers and whatnot. Yeah. Obviously, I passed it <laughs> my bar. Um, I'll allow it. <laughs> uh, I Overruled. Think, I think if you don't have that stuff, then it, it doesn't seem legit. Right, right. But then it becomes – then you lose some of the fun of the comic book movie. Like I think what I like about Batman Begins is why it's my favorite of the trilogy – is it feels like it's a little bit more... There is a sense of atmosphere. It feels as it's a little bit less grounded in reality. And it is still, obviously, the dark, gritty reboot. It is, to, when it came out, the most realistic Batman ever. But still, you know, the sense of atmosphere in Gotham, the monorail, the way that they... The sweeping shots of Gotham didn't just look like Chicago. It was, it was a mix of Chicago with a little bit of CGI enhancing that gave it almost that Tim Burton gothic feel mixed which is, in. Which is interesting because the cinematography, the lighting of Batman Begins is much like a rust color. It's it's a dark, yellowish, yeah. dirty, because uh, we're looking at the underbelly of Gotham. We're not looking at, you know, the upper part of Gotham, which in The Dark Knight we see more of. So there's gonna there's more of a blue hue to oh, that yeah. and there's more of you know you're you're closer to the sky in these skyscrapers so there's there's more of that blue as opposed to that nasty like dirty underbelly look wow i have not thought of it that way and yeah those those are definitely the clear color palettes and it does make sense there's less of the seedy underbelly in dark night it just it feels so much it just looks like chicago though it doesn't feel like gotham to me i, I want I want it to look like a city I haven't seen before. If Which that makes I, sense. I think it was it. It's supposed to be ambiguous. I think there is some they pretty clear shots of the definitely. river. Yeah. It's like this. It's is, definitely Chicago. There's some some shots that are like not even trying to hide it. But at Chicago. least it's not New York or Pittsburgh, like the third one. The third one's Pittsburgh. Boo, Pittsburgh. But that that's what I'm talking about. The ambiguity of of Gotham itself. He tries to. He uses Chicago, Pittsburgh, like all yeah. these different cities to kind of mash together. Yeah, and I I love, uh, you know, in Batman Begins, when we're in the shanty towns, you could call it. It looks the, very comic booky. yeah. Yeah, there's such a sense of atmosphere and grime and that Gotham dirt in Batman Begins that I just, I would, I would like just a little bit of that in The Dark Knight. And by the way, I... There's so much guilt coursing through my veins every time <laughs> I criticize The Dark Knight because I fucking love this movie. And just because I don't maybe think The Dark Knight is the best superhero movie ever made or even the best of this trilogy doesn't mean I still don't think it's one of the best superhero movies ever made. Before we conclude, I think that we need to talk about the action in both movies. 
Oh, yeah. No. These are both action movies. This is po- definite points against Batman Begins, I will concede. Yes. The Which action. We've already, we've already said Batman Begins has a better story. Better story structure. Do you agree with that? Because I said uh, that. Yeah. You no, agree? I, I nice. agree with that. And better character development yes. for Bruce Wayne? Yes. Character development for Bruce Wayne okay, is better. Okay, so I'm right. Even though I don't think it's necessary in The Dark Knight. Is it necessary that I drink my own pee? No, but I do it anyway because it's sterile and I like the taste. Name that movie! Dodgeball, 2004. Whoa. My favorite Lance Armstrong movie. I love when he when he shows up and gives the lesson, hey, sometimes you just got to work hard and not <laughs> cheat or, you know, try to find a shortcut. Sometimes you just got to put in the work. He's never done that. That's that's a good lesson coming from Lance Armstrong. But anyway, let's talk <laughs> about the action. Um, yeah. No, it's, it's Batman Begins it's suffers from the early 2000s action, which is like really quick cuts – uh, very fast, like in your face, like kind of going with the editing process, which looks really rough when you're when you're watching these action scenes. Yeah. But in The Dark Knight, I think he polished it a lot more, and these action sequences have a real flow to them. Yeah, and I think it helps the flow of the entire movie. I think it's not as like kind of all over the place. Um, everything in The Dark Knight has this very like steady flow, like a stream. Like your yeah. feet, your as soon as you start the movie. It opens on a long shot at a window, and then the window breaks, and then the action By starts. By the way, more points for Dark Knight. The opening of the Dark Knight is so awesome. It's great. And and it's just heat. By, just by being an origin story, Batman Begins can't possibly have as cool of an opening sequence True. because they can't just jump right into the action. But my God, is that an awesome scene? It really is. I mean, that whole heist scene is is incredible. That's the thing. Is like IMD according to IMDb's top. 250, which is their own little like list of best movies they do AFI style. According to their list, The Dark Knight is the fourth best movie ever made, behind Shawshank Redemption and The Two Godfathers. And then it's number four, Dark Knight, which I love Dark Knight, but come on, it's not the fourth best movie ever made. Come so, on. So, I mean, you you obviously have decided that you think that Batman Begins is better by, than The Dark Knight. And I want to be clear, by a hair. Based on what? Story structure and... Story structure and character, character development. Art. Yeah. Okay. It, it is a tighter, cleaner narrative story for me. And and by the way, I'm so on the fence that about five minutes ago, I had the thought, it was like, I think I'm going to say I like The Dark Knight better <laughs> at the end of this episode. It's like, I might as well be Harvey Dent flipping a coin right now yeah. because I don't know. Well, I think that The Dark Knight is Christopher Nolan kind of finding his own. He's finally like in his element. And it's a cleaner, crisper, more energized movie than Batman Begins. Even though the story of Batman Begins is a stronger structure, Mm -hmm. I think that it's the first, like, that's a Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah, and maybe that's it, is, like, Batman Begins, for me, feels like a marriage between the Nolan Batmans that were to come, the next two, and still has one foot in that sort of Tim Burton comic book Batman universe. That's... you know, it's not just story structure and character development. It's also the sense of atmosphere. I'd say those are the three things that just barely put Batman Begins over the top. But I'm I'm actually not disappointed that we disagree because yeah. I want both of these movies to get equal love. That's really the point. Yep. Um, obviously, we have strong opinions on these movies and which one is better. Today, we disagreed. It's again. Not, in, in honestly, not even that strong of opinion. I feel no, like yeah. I'm like hesitantly saying Batman Begins. Tomorrow, but... I'll probably say Batman Begins. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, we love to hear what you think. Uh, Twitter, Instagram us at Cinema Smackdown Pod, and tell us uh, your own opinions. Yeah. Next time we talk, we're gonna have a very spooky, some scary. 
Oh, a little spooky, a little scary. A little spooky and scary. Ooh. <laughs> uh, we're going to take some brand new adaptations of Stephen King novels. It Chapter 1 and Dr. Sleep. Oh, interesting. I do, I, you know, I wouldn't think to compare those movies other than being Stephen King because, you know, one was so high grossing, one... Sadly, didn't have that many people see it. But... That's what happens when you release a horror movie in November and not October. Yeah, wow. But yeah, they're both pretty great. I'm I'm curious to rewatch these. Yeah, they're they're really fun movies, and we hope you listen. Till next time, I'm Tyler. I'm Greg. I'm not wearing hockey pads. Where is she? Bye. Bye. Bye.